you know, you must take care of your well-being, of your health, of your emotional life, of your family, because then you are doing well in work, right? And vice versa, if you have really harmonious relationships in work and you have a great boss and your stress level is low, then of course also that will bleed into your personal life. So it's not just about balancing as though, you know, the different things on different ends of the scale. It's a continuum and one bleeds into another. And that's why you need to take care of both equally. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone, as always, support the show by leaving a review on iTunes. All right. So I'm sitting here this morning, actually afternoon, for Sonia Van Bellert, PhD and Global Client Director for Shell at IBM. How are you? How's your after- How's your day gone? Mine's just getting started. So no, oh, mine is almost done. I just got off the call with the client and it's been a good day. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. So Sonia, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. All right. Well, the oil and gas industry for me was something that I couldn't have predicted when I started my career because I have a PhD in literature actually, Mm -hmm. in comparative literature, and that doesn't actually forecast a career in the heavy industries. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I got there in the end. So my professional career started at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers in the consulting business. I learned the trade there of management consulting. And actually, one of my first clients at the time was uh, Petrofina, since then acquired by Total. So this was my first experience, actually my first assignment in management consulting happened to be in the oil and gas industry, in refinery as well as chemical operations in the port of Antwerp, where I was actually born. I mean, I was not born in the port, but I was born uh, (laughs) in Antwerp. And so, you know, as management consulting careers went at the time, of course, you touch different things. But my interest in, I would say, you know, where I had most success typically was in industrial companies. So I also did assignment for Axonobel and, you know, got more and more familiar with the value add I could actually have with my skill set in what is predominantly an engineering culture and predominantly uh-huh. also, you know, a male culture, if I'm entitled to say that, right? So it's a particular style of working together where I actually think that you can make a big difference if you have a different style of working and you can bring people together and have, you know, difficult or complex discussion in an interesting way. So in 2002, PricewaterhouseCoopers Consulting was acquired by IBM and I moved into a company that, you know, I also couldn't have forecasted that I would spend such a long career in that company. But it moved me from my original management consulting trade, which I had been doing by then for quite a while, into a much more technology heavy, you know, trade because, you know, as you know, IBM has a great consultancy services, but it also has a very heavy technology backbone, right? So you need to understand about data and AI and about these days cloud, and you need to understand all right. the time about middleware and the internet and all these things. So I got more technology savvy 
And I actually led for IBM, I led part of their data and AI practice for a while. And this is actually how I got to know Shell. So one of my first projects in Shell was a data and AI project. And I worked with, uh, with Shell. You know, it's, it's really of a big interest to them because, you know, they could see very early on that there was a lot of richness in data and that it would actually start determining, you know, how successful they were in their business if they really got all the insights they could from data. So I worked with them on framing up original use cases, you know, how should they get organized, what are some of the tool options available and so on. And I have stayed in the oil and gas business ever since, so had different roles for the Shell company, and I'm now the global client director, so I look after all the business that IBM does together with Shell. And of course, that is still data-led business, but it's also a lot of other projects and technology services that we have with them. This is in a nutshell, you know, how I got into oil and gas and never got out. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to study literature. Nope, now you're going to do oil and gas. (laughs) Yeah. So let's back to that, you know, a woman in the industry aspect. What were some of the challenges? I mean, there are so many challenges a lot of us women have faced in the industry as it's moved forward and evolved. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So, you know, yes, there are challenges, of course, because in many meetings, you're the only one, right? So, yeah. And I must say, it still happens to me. It happens less and less, of course, because I have seen positive change. But, you know, there will be rooms that you walk into and you're the only woman. And, you know, I think one of the challenges is then what is the right way to make sure that your voice does get heard, right? Because, I mean, we've all known these situations where you say something and then the next person says, well, as he said, and your idea, no matter how bright, gets attributed to somebody else, right, who happens to not be female. So, yes, we've all had those experiences and I've had them too. But I must say that in general, both the IBM company as well as Shell are outstanding in terms of awareness, you know, around bias, education around it, and also actions around it. So, you know, I've had various opportunities also where I have been diversity champion and I've been able to, you know, not just, you know, experience the challenge, but also help address it with various diversity initiatives in IBM, you know, diversity for women in the heavy industries. Yeah. And there's something about IBM that has that. So I've heard several people say this from IBM champion. You want to explain what that is? Oh, at IBM? yeah. So I guess it's not a formal title or role, but it's where you are the lead figure in driving an initiative, right? So you're championing or yeah, I guess leading, but leading more in a network sense, you're leading a, a positive change, right? So IBM is very much around you know, it used to be diversity. Now it's very much inclusion, right? Because even if you have the metrics correct about diversity, it doesn't yet mean that you are inclusive, right? Inclusive in the sense that the voices do get heard, you know, and it's not just the numbers that are met. And so this inclusive mindset, together with a growth mindset, when we're all open to learn, that's a bit of a driving force in, in our culture today. Very good. Very good. So other than the female aspect, being a woman in the industry, What are other challenges that you faced? I mean, that had to be quite the transition from, you know, literary to to, to oil and gas. Yeah, that I must say, I've never experienced that as a challenge because, you know, business, you know, is not about technology in its pure sense, right? So I've also worked in very complex engineering projects where I was actually the program manager. It was a project about how to actually digitalize, you know, how capital projects are done. And there you can see that some of the roadblocks and barriers 
are not at all in the engineering or technology competences. Of course, they exist, right? But if you look at complex projects, a lot of the challenges and the way out of complexity is by outstanding communication and collaboration, right? And, you know, having come from this sort of literary slash communications background, the ability to clearly articulate, you know, problem statements, solution pathways, to bring people together, you know, in open communication spaces where they can collaboratively solve problems is actually a major part, you know, of any solution. And so I feel that it's actually my different background that has been an asset. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's almost like you're a translator, right? You got to communicate this person's language and to the other person that kind of speaks a different language almost. Yeah, there is that. And then there's also sometimes communication is not driven by content, but by ego. Right. And so how can you actually make people work together where, you know, a difference of opinion is not an attack on somebody or somebody else's ego. And once you take that out, then, you know, you have much more neutrality and and a constructive atmosphere in the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. So let's kind of dive into what you're currently doing as, you know, the global client director for Shell at IBM. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do different things. So, of course, the traditional part of the role is making sure that, you know, the relationship between the two companies, which are both obviously of size and, you know, multi-pronged relationships, that those work, right? So this is anywhere from, you know, business relationships, IT relationships, procurement relationships, So, you know, it's about bringing new value propositions that come from the IBM company to shell in the right way to the right stakeholders. It's also any issue resolution that needs to be done, making sure that, you know, problems get, you know, out of the way quickly and constructively. But I'm also still involved in in projects. So one of the projects I'm currently doing together with Shell, which I think we are both very proud of, is the setup of a digital marketplace and a platform for sustainability in the mining industry. The mining industry. Oh, that's being, cool. Yeah, very, very cool. The mining industry is actually, you know, an essential industry, but it's got a bad rap in terms of, you know, its environmental impact. And so there's a big push right. towards sustainable mining. And as both Shell and IBM are really on a journey, you know, to make the world more sustainable, we think that actually digital solutions created together can really help this journey towards decarbonized mining, you know, towards solving any environmental issues around that. And by the way, mining will be needed, of course, because as the system electrifies and as we will continue to need buildings and roads and what have you, you know, we cannot say that we can simply do away with mining, right? So, you know, there's an important, you know, longevity agenda and sustainability agenda for all of us. Right, right. And it's just, you know, kind of with goes hand in hand with what's going on now with people trying to push the energy industry out of its current state. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, you know, the, the, the energy needs continue to grow, right? So it's not about, you know, who can you push out? It's really how can we have a fast and and positive transition, you know, to a, a much more hybrid mix of energies you know, that quickly gets us to net zero, but it's not about, you know, either or, or pushing out, or, you know, it's really remixing, rebalancing, you know, the portfolios and making sure also that we have technology advances, we have new infrastructure in place and the consumer and regulators help us through this transition. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of it is just politics right now. So, but we're not going to get into that. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? 
Oh my goodness, advice. Jeez, I don't know if I'm in a position to give advice from from what point of view. What kind of advice would you like? Well, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to the show that are coming into the industry. We have people that that aren't even in the industry that listen. We have people that are CEOs that listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think maybe people trying to enter the industry might appreciate something. Yeah, I would say, you know, take a fresh look at the oil and gas industry, at the change that it's going through right now, which will yield ever so many very interesting careers, right? Because rather than, you know, blaming the oil industry for, you know, being last century, you can actually be part of the next century. You know, as this energy diversifies its portfolio, deals with, you know, humongous challenges in terms of, you know, new technology adoption, you know, new propositions to customers, both in the commercial space, business to business, and also in the consumer space. You know, there's ever so much change going on there and so much opportunity anywhere from, you know, people with engineering backgrounds to people with sales backgrounds. So I would say take a fresh look at this industry. It's undergoing dramatic change and, you know, you can be part of the change. Good answer. Mm. What book influenced you the most and why? Oh, War and Peace. Ah, yeah. that's, a, that's a thick one. <laughs> Say again? That's a thick book. That's a thick book. That's right, right. And so I told you about literary studies and, you know, it had been on my shelf for a long time and it's such a big book and I had to read so much anyway. So I left it to last. And once I had read that book, I thought, well, this is the book because it has such a refined view of human psychology, such nuanced view of how people feel and think and see the world and how that impacts the decisions they make, what makes them happy, not happy. I think it's the book, but of course it's it's a novel, right? It's right. It's one to enjoy and reflect. Yeah. Great. What's your most used business tool? And I mean, this must be hard to, to answer because, you, I mean, you work at IBM. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a tool. It's not going to be an IT tool. I actually think empathy is a great tool, but of course it has to be, it has to come from a place of authenticity. And, and maybe these are all words that are a bit overused, right? But for me, empathy in business means you literally try to put yourself in the shoes of your customer. You know, you really try to see the world from their point of view, understand the problems the way they understand them in their language. And I think once you're able to do that, then, of course, you can have a a deeper and obviously more successful business relationship. I don't know. That's a great answer. I haven't heard anything like that yet, to be honest. But yeah, no, unless you can see the point of view of your, your client, how are you supposed to help them? Yeah, exactly. Because then you're just pushing something onto them and you know, it's by definition the wrong answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Who's your most respected competitor? Oh, okay. Well, obviously IBM plays on many fronts, right? So we have many competitors and many of them are very well respected, but my respect goes to companies with longevity. So a lot of our competitors obviously make a huge market splash, but you wonder, you know, 100 years from now, you know, the way IBM is, what is it by now, 108 years old? what will they be, right? So my respect goes to older competitors that have also been in the industry for a long time, have seen the changes, have been able to morph and change and adapt the way that IBM does. So this is what I I respect in competition because if you live for a long time in business, it also means you create a values backbone, right? And and that culture actually becomes a warranty 
you know, to the trusted relationships you have with customers and actually to your longevity in the business. Wow. I didn't realize IBM was 108 years old. It is. It is. Wow. You know, we have so many years of, you know, innovation, leadership. I mean, if you think about, I think we're on our 30th year now, you know, of being the number one private company in terms of, you know, patents and innovations that we launch in the market. And, you know, IBM has been there all the time inventing the barcode, you know, helping helping us go to the moon and, and recently to Mars, right? So Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a great company. Yes, I agree. What's your most important lesson learned? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Did I surprise you with that one? <laughs> well, I think one of the lessons that I learned, you know, at a time that I was doing less well in my private life is that you can't simply, you know, draw a very strict line between, you know, here's my work and, you know, here's my life and, you know, that these things don't communicate with each other. I do think they are related because you are one person. So therefore, I think it's very important when they say work-life balance. I see that sort of as your work life, how should I put it? I see it as something that's connected, not like, you know, two things that are on either side of a scale and you need to balance the scale. That makes it seem like they're disconnected. My life lesson is that, you know, you must take care of your well-being, of your health, of your emotional life, of your family, because then you are doing well in work, right? And vice versa. If you have really harmonious relationships in work and you have a great boss and your stress level is low, then of course also that will bleed into your personal life. So it's not just about balancing as though, you know, the different things on different ends of the scale, it's a continuum and one bleeds into another. And that's why you need to take care of both equally. Yeah. Yep. Or you just don't succeed at all, I suppose. No, no, neither, <laughs> neither, right? Because it bleeds into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So why do you think your role is important to the future of the oil and gas industry? Oh, okay. Well, that's a little bit, how should I say? It's a bit egotistic to think that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not exactly a humility. I guess you could take it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather speak about, you know, what do I think could still be a really good contribution I could make, right? Considering where I am in my career. So, I mean, my contribution, the way I see it going forward is I really want to be on the good side of history in terms of this energy transition. So whatever I can do to actually help the oil and gas industry accelerate into a diverse and more sustainable energy future, that will be a good contribution that I can make. And I have a sincere belief, of course, that with all of the the digital backbones that we have, you know, whether that's AI or the cloud or blockchain, you know, all of that, you know, techie capability, if you mesh that with the transition that's going on, we can actually help accelerate it and therefore help the oil and gas to a better place. That's the role I see. Yeah. I like that answer. Mm. Also, like how you called my question egotistical. It's <laughs> 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 fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, hey, so do you have a favorite podcast? I'm afraid I don't really have a podcast per se, but I do have, if that maybe takes us back to the work life thing. You know, yeah. ever since <laughs> I do uh, listen a lot to m- my meditation app. Oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, I think it's also more and more necessary with this whole COVID situation and, you know, oh, no kidding. need to keep our sanity and stay very balanced in our heads. 
and that helps me a lot. And I must say in the last few years, you know, it's become part of my daily discipline, I would say, to meditate and meditate well. Yeah. And I use tapes for that. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Very good. Good. Yeah. So basically everybody needs to make sure you take care of yourself and get some meditation in. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for joining me today, Sonia. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about IBM, how may they go about doing so? Oh, well, they can find me on, on LinkedIn, of course. And yeah, perhaps also on, I have a couple of YouTubes, you know, where I speak about the changes that the oil and gas industry is going through. And it's sonia.van.ballard at be.ibm.com, but that's too long. So, oh, it's okay. We'll put all the links for everybody in the show notes so you can just click on it. Okay. I have all that information already. All right, good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, that concludes this episode. So, just remember it's up to you to open the next door. Now, here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for April 2021. This month we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th, in the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.